Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. We welcome you to Bite Into It. It's 7 o'clock on a Wednesday. We've got Dan Morganti. Hey, hey. Hey, and I'm Vanessa Taholka, and uh, great to be with you on... This first post-Radiothon moment, Dan, how are you feeling about it? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I'm just hoping that uh, everyone subscribed to the station we all loved and uh, we'll endeavour to bring you more fantastic radio content. Yeah, all the independent kind of media coverage that you hope to get from your local tech show and your fabulous community radio station. Big thank you to all the subscribers out there. We feel you and um, thanks for showing us the love. Really awesome awesome. Hey, also awesome, maybe not as awesome as subscribers awesome because that's a pretty high bar, <laughs> but um, it is Melbourne International Games Week. After two years of engaging audiences online only, the festival is back with in-person events and we wanted to focus on some of the elements of Games Week that we think are pretty cool. So tonight we'll be chatting to someone about free play parallels it's a bit like a mixtape of computer games, and I think you're really going to dig it. We'll also get a bit nerdy, which is not unusual for us, but like we're going to get education level nerdy. We're going to be speaking to um, someone at ACME about the Teachers Summit, which they're putting on in collaboration with Games for Change. And what that is, is it's a couple of days of um, helping uh, teachers. Uh, ideate and collaborate and use a whole lot of packages around how they might use games within an education environment. So we're excited by that. Certainly wasn't the way I went to school. No. Um, no games in school for you, Dan? Uh, well, not to my teacher's knowledge. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, a little bit of Pokemon in the schoolyard with the link cable work. There you go. Pokemon. Uh, I don't know the educational value of that, but uh, maybe we can discuss it later. Yeah, somehow you've memorised a million Pokemon, so that's the important <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> We'll certainly get to that a bit later. Until then, the news. What is going on in tech news and games-focused tech news this week, Dan? Um, well, like always, we like to mention uh, something about games and unionisation. Um, so the National Labor Relations Board in the US finds that Activision Blizzard withheld raises from unionising workers. Um, so these big companies don't often get a, a, a good run on this show, uh, mainly because of their dodgy behaviour. Um, but basically, the, the NLRB is accusing Activision Blizzard of withholding raises from QA workers at its Raven Software subsidiary as a re- direct result of their union activity, which is all kinds of messed up. Um, it was reported by the Washington Post um, that the Raven testers, which uh, QA testers, uh, we've said it on the show before, are often overlooked when it comes to um, paid games developers. Ooh, or guts, no glory. Yeah, yeah. it's... Um, it's an uh, definitely overlooked and underserved um, portion of the video games development um, industry. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, Activision Blizzard, one of the biggest publishers in um, America, in the world, um, known for franchises such as Call of Duty and World of Warcraft, um, and also known for firing uh, mass layoffs when a game comes to publishing time. Um yeah, they're now under investigation for the matter. Um, and the NLRB said they intentionally withheld raises from those involved in unionisation efforts. Um, so just more dodgy behaviour from these uh, money-grubbing publishers. 
Yeah, really, really shocking news story there. Mm. And um, I guess it just shows how important it is that, you know, people across the board in companies like that yeah. um, support each other. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to isolate um, different teams. Yeah. And the the NLRB said that they could move to prosecute the case in a federal court, which hopefully lights a fire up under their ass and they do what's right before that's it a has to. Term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, yeah. Burn it up. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, it seems like they'll uh, most likely do the right thing and um, offer these uh, wage, these rises to the pay wage, pay rises to their employees um, in all fairness. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's important to have these checks and balances. Yeah, absolutely. So excellent work by uh, the National Labor Relations Board. Mm. Um, have you used Google Stadia before? I have not used Google Stadia. How about you? Me either. I think well, this is uh, that one of the says something, isn't it? Yeah, one of the key reasons why why it failed. So, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Google Stadia is uh, Google's um, gaming platform. game platform, streaming platform, yeah. uh, st- game streaming platform. Yeah. Um, apparently, quite good. Uh, like we just said, we neither of us have played it, but um, the technology involved is actually uh, offers a high rate of fidelity, um, minimal lag, and um, yeah, it was essentially a streaming service for video games. Um, it's been alive for two years and eleven months, um, but it'll wind down in January. Uh, not surprising, coming from Google, who is uh, famous for killing. Uh, things in their crib. Um, well, I mean, that's a that's a healthy sign. Like, it can sound like we're being critical there, but it's a healthy sign of an innovation ecosystem where you, you know, you equally want to encourage ideas, but also kill off the wrong ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, just in the, they've just left a few gamers out in the out in the rain, though. There's a, I've seen some tweets of. Um, so a, a gentleman who was a big fan of Red Dead Redemption uh, had something like 1,500 hours in the game on an online profile. Um, that is quite a side hustle. Yeah. He was, he was desperately trying to allow Google to transfer his account to another platform or to have a, a, like an online-specific account so he could play it on any platform, It is really. an eternal frustration for people, yeah, losing yeah. content if platforms die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, I think uh, another reason was a lack of third party or fir- third party um, integrations, integrations and, and mm. um, also the the style of software they were getting on there as well. It was just a lot of um, you could get it anywhere kind of software. There weren't any um, well, exclusives. Well, that's right. I think they've looked into it and said if people were really crazy about some of these blockbuster games, the incentives were already there for them to have them in their home set up. Mm, that's there, it. there wasn't a reason to go to the cloud. So they didn't have enough draw cards, you know, their platform only. And I guess you see that every time new streaming services come out, that competition for content. Yeah. And and how do you differentiate? How do you become the place that has that draw card? Yeah. It's um well Google doesn't have the answer at this point in time, but um Good for them just calling it quits though. Yeah. Saying, look, we've thrown this much money after it. We got some things right. The platform yeah. performed well. We had technical strengths. What we didn't have was content strengths. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that's what ultimately let them down is the content and the, the lack of exclusivities. Like, there, yeah, there were no draw cards. Um, but hopefully all the other companies learn something from this, uh, such as uh, Microsoft and uh, PlayStation, and um, they're able to, yeah, better serve their player bases with uh, some of the technology that Google um, was able to pioneer with well, uh, yeah. Stadia. There are uh, 
there is a real industry in feature uh, inspiration, you know, taking it from your competitors. Yeah. And there's a great art- article on Games- GameSpot at the moment which breaks down some of the things they thought were great ideas on Stadia that are just out there now. It's like we wouldn't be surprised to see these pop up anywhere. So things like Stream Connect, um, the idea of tightly integrated uh, co-op multiplayer experiences showing each player in a live video feed uh, of their teammate's screen. So almost that that picture-in-picture picture sort of thing that you saw pioneered in sports yeah, sports coverage. No doubt um, inspired by the success of something like Twitch as well, where you kind of get this, like, streaming um, look to the game as well or, mm. you know, to um And inspired by some of those um, maybe Chinese social media experiences where they like that layered up quite, you know, they're able uh, to cope yep. with a much busier screen yeah, interface. Yeah, a lot of banners and, yeah. yeah, a lot of pop-ups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's a, there's a bunch of good ideas out there. Uh, so farewell to Stadia. Uh, you will be missed, well, by the people who used you, I guess. We, we couldn't possibly <laughs> no, say. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, in cybersecurity news, crossing over with games, Blizzard's president has blamed a mass DDoS, uh, so a denial of service attack, for keeping you from playing Overwatch 2. So really, you know, Blizzard, Blizzard Activision, not having a good week. No, not at all. Um, I don't think they really ever have good weeks now. They're always, anytime we mention Activision Blizzard, it's uh, not for um, positive purposes generally. But um, yeah, uh, uh, Overwatch 2 has um, been released. And from what I hear, it's just a Overwatch 1.5. Um, a lot of people are not happy about the content in uh, Overwatch being locked behind paywalls and characters being locked behind paywalls, becoming more of a play-to-win game. Um, and It's really unattractive. It, it, it it's is. It's an unattractive quality in a game to well, lock away features and characters and, yeah, the, and like, hold you ransom with hours of time in yeah. precious life. The thing is, though, that the first game didn't have any of this this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like They were big on the loot boxes, which, uh, as we know, have led to like some... Um, uh, like policies in other areas around the world, um, because it's so addic- comparable it's, to online yeah, gambling. Yeah, yeah. It, it is gambling with one small yeah, detail, small that, element. Yeah, yeah. that uh, they'll ride pretty hard, saying that that's why it's not gambling, but <laughs> it certainly well, yeah, is. Yeah, if it, yeah. The, the dopamine yeah. balance in your head is... If it sounds like gambling and smells like gambling, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a duck. That's, that's yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> or maybe a goose would be appropriate in yeah. this form. So, um, yeah, they're, they're working hard uh, to mitigate, manage uh, the damage and uh, hopefully get people connected to their uh, Overwatch 2 account and game um, so they can be disappointed in another way when they play the game and see all their content locked behind paywalls. Yeah, what what makes me laugh about this is that, you know, while I might have said, look, it's a cybersecurity thing, in reality, um, having a whole lot of people hit your server at the same time is indistinguishable from... A DDoS attack. A DDoS attack. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's launch day, this has happened, and really you're thinking, okay, well, you should have been able to predict this. Please provision your servers yeah. better and, you know, have it, them able to and it happens, throw some capacity at it. It happens with every new major release game. Um, so how come we haven't solved this yet? Like, I understand yeah. it's, it's quite tricky. Mm. I suspect, though, they're more worried about expense. At a certain point, they go, right, yeah. well, this is too expensive to do. I think for such a high-profile game, the launch... Uh, window 
would be the time where the most there'd be the most service drain. They're not going to ever reach the levels that they Again. will on the. Yeah. So I think they just underserve the opening think, day. You think the server companies would just go? Yeah, we know it's a blip. Let's just really show how well we can do this. And yeah. It doesn't seem to be the attitude. It's not. It's no. not about the quality product. It's they definitely about... seem to hold back for, yeah, for whatever reason. True. It seems like they have the ability. They just don't want to. This um, is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, I just wanted to check. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, Vibe check done. Yeah. Triple R. Hey, also amazing and uh, doesn't make me feel like a little kid at all is Dan Golding. He is uh, a man with a huge resume. We're only going to focus on some of the game's bits. Dan co-wrote Game Changers, this incredible book, um, in 2016, made the soundtracks to Untitled Goose Game on Switch and PC in 2019, and uh, also the soundtrack to Push Me, Pull You and The Haunted Island. And uh, from 2014 to 2017, was just cheekily the director of Free Play. He's currently a board member of Free Play. He's an ex-host of Bite Into It, and we're incredibly fortunate to have him join us this evening. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Vanessa, it's so good to be back with you. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been ages, um, but you've been very busy, and yeah. it was very exciting to hear that this year, after a couple of years of being virtual, Parallels is going on in person. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's in person, yeah, as you say, for the first time in a couple of years. Um, so for those of uh, anybody who doesn't know, Parallels is its like a showcase. Basically, we get local game makers to get up in front of an audience and tell people about what they're working on, um, show a bit of their game in, 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 as a work in progress. Um, they're, they're always unreleased. Um, they get about 10 minutes each, so they're short and sharp, um, short and sweet. Um, and honestly, we've had some amazing games over the years. I mean, actually, Untitled Goose Game, I think it was one of the first times it had been shown in public. Public, um, back in 2017, we've had uh, Paperbark, Florence, uh, Wayward Strand. Like you know, I think the, the the hit rate's been pretty good for Parallel. So this year, especially being back in person, it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, I can't wait. And we don't want to throw any shade on the experience that Free Play delivered in the off years because you had a virtual uh, meeting space and uh, dance floor and backyard with a fire pit plus a place to watch all of the games being presented, which is pretty sensational. Uh, how, how have you gone about curating this? Who's been involved in Parallels this year? Um, so basically this year we're actually working with a game studio that showed their game uh, a few years ago. Um, gosh, in 20, I'm going to say 2015, they showed their game called Paperbark. Um, they're a, a game studio called Paperhouse. And this year, uh, because uh, this year we're sort of um, between directors for the Free Play Festival, uh, we've reached out and worked with, uh, with the studio to get them to curate um, the lineup this year. So Terry Burdak is um, really the person who's been leading that with his team. Um, but so this year, I think uh, we've got nine games. Um, and look, going on the <laughs> going on the basis of, of the the list that I said before of the games that have broken through from Parallels, I kind of feel like 
at least a couple of these are, are surely going to be a bit of a hit maybe next year or the year after whenever they're released. Um, well, we've already seen a, a couple here, like uh, Mars First Logistics. We've um, spoken about that on the show. And uh, Frog Detective 3, of course, the the most famous uh, detective <laughs> who is also a frog, um, <laughs> is appearing uh, in uh, Parallels. Um, can you tell us uh, more about any of the other games? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I probably shouldn't tell you about both of those games because I have an enormous conflict of interest designed to compose for both of them. Um, <laughs> um, but um, there's a couple that really have caught my eye. We've got Isopod, which is the kind of, I suppose, spin-off from Webbed, which um, I think was shown last year, and that just did amazing things. It was sort of like a uh, 8-bit uh, spider um, adventure platformer. Um, Isopod is like um, I'm an enormous arachnophobe, so it's <laughs> much more much more palatable. It's um, like a you know the, the little butcher boys, the um, the, the little um, insects that roll. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I actually saw the other day that they've got about like 16 different names. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's sort of like it's the Mario 64 <laughs> to web. Uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers, um, yeah. if that makes sense. So I think that's going to be pretty good. Govins is another one that um, it, it, they describe it as a friendly puzzle game. It's like a word game, but it's just got the most beautiful art style. It looks like a animated interlude from Sesame Street. Um, and they've got this great um, jazz soundtrack from a Melbourne jazz saxophonist. So oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, another one that's really caught my eye has been Future Folklore, which is by Guck, um, and it's Australia's first ever Aborig Aboriginal-led mobile game. Um, so I, I think that's really going to be something special as well. So 